The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, we've got Timothy W. Young on the line, who was a high school principal and mathematics teacher for almost 38 years. And we're going to talk about his textbook, One, The Most Powerful Number. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Great. So why do you think one is such a powerful number? That's a great question. I spent, I wrote a book, the textbook is about 600 pages, explaining a lot of the tricks, I'm going to say rules that are uh, involved the number one. For instance, the only way you can convert from one unit of measurement, such as, I'll make it simple, 36 inches to feet, most people think, oh, you divide by three, because mm. that gives you, excuse me, 36 inches to feet, you divide by 12, and that gives you the answer three. But that does not explain why the 36 inches, and I emphasize the label inches, changes to three feet. The only way you can realistically convert 36 inches to three feet is multiplied by a ratio which equals one. Mm. So that the units cancel and it's you would have 36 inches times one, but one would be one, uh, one foot over 12 inches. And inches is in the denominator. Uh, it's it, the only way you can convert anything from feet to inches, miles to feet, time, minutes to hours is technically multiplied by a ratio equal to one. And that's a real concept that is not emphasized by many teachers because they don't think about it. Because yeah. it's, it's a concept they don't realize that there's a ratio equal to one that doesn't look like one. And it can be 36 inches over one foot, uh, 36 inches over three feet, or three feet over 36 inches. And these are all ratios that equal one. And it actually becomes very important in higher level mathematics. And it becomes very important in physics and science. Yeah. So one's in a powerful number there. Uh, but that's just one example. It makes sense because maybe this goes without saying, but it is is the basic number to which all other numbers and sums are based upon. Right. The other thing is, how do you convert uh, the fraction three-fourths to six-eighths? They're equal. There's only one way to convert three-fourths to six-eighths, and that's to multiply by two over two. 
what does two over two equal? One. One. So three fourths to six eighths, you multiply by one, but one is two over two. You can do that with any fraction. There's an infinite amount of ways to multiply any fraction to find equivalent fraction. Go with five over 10, multiply it by five over five. Five yeah. over five is one. So those that's the simplest. And you can start that particular concept in third or fourth grade by multiplying by one to find an equivalent fraction. Or when you get into units, you can change units by multiplying by a ratio equal to one. And very, very few teachers even know that concept, especially in elementary school. And very few teachers emphasize it even in middle school. So why did you decide to write this book? That, that was something that's been on my mind for probably the last 10 years. I was in public education. And I was a high school principal, and I was a principal of two schools. One was in central Pennsylvania, near Penn State, and one was located right 10 minutes from downtown Pittsburgh called Chartered Valley. Uh, I, I used to get phone calls from parents every year. And in Chartered Valley had about 1,100 students. And I would get parents calling, and they would complain about teachers. Nothing unusual, except I noticed most of my parent complaints were about the high school math teachers. And they would make comments that the teacher doesn't teach, the teacher doesn't explain. And I knew in my mind that it didn't start when that student entered Algebra 1 in ninth grade. I knew in my mind it probably started earlier, but I had to be careful how I responded to a parent because I could never make a comment, well, the, the teacher below didn't emphasize things. I would make the comment, your son or daughter who always got good grades in arithmetic, they probably have some gaps and their arithmetic understanding. And those gaps become magnified when you go into algebra. So when I retired, I got involved with a professor down at Carnegie Mellon University. Yeah. And there was an article in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette about this professor, and he found the secret to understanding math. And it concentrated on fractions, fractions. Fractions is the number one indicator of success for kids in fifth grade if they're going to be successful in algebra. Yeah. And the first example, I, the one example I gave you was the fraction two-thirds, three-fourths, any fraction. You can yeah. convert it into equivalent fractions by multiplying by one. So for all those parent complaints, I wanted to tell them that the problem started with your son or daughter in fifth or sixth grade, but now they're magnified in algebra one. But yeah. I was very careful because I could not say something negative about the elementary teachers who I usually think do a fantastic job, but I also had to protect my high school teachers. So I would make that comment about there's probably some gaps and now they're magnified in algebra. Yeah. A lot of the problems started with fractions in fifth grade and not understanding how to apply the number one to find equivalent fraction. Yeah, four out of three people have trouble with fractions. And I remember back at school, that was the thing that everybody struggled with, but it's not really that hard. People just get overwhelmed by it somehow, don't they? I think that's well spoken, Toby. Um, I ask, you know, I'll give you an example in a research paper. Multiply three-fourths times one-half. Well, before yeah. you answer that, if you multiply six times seven, the answer always gets bigger. Yeah. But a professor named Dr. Hugo Lorte Forges, who's now in uh, Great Britain, who I worked with down at Carnegie Mellon, asked that question three-fourths times one-half. 
to college graduates. And the answer actually gets smaller. But around 50% of college graduates said, well, it has to get bigger because anytime you multiply, it gets bigger. That's not true. If both fractions are between zero and one, the answer gets smaller. Think about it if I say yeah. find one half of three-fourths. That's the same problem, just said in another way. Half of three-fourths gets smaller. But when you see it written as arithmetic problem, three-fourths times one-half, around 50% of college graduates thought it got bigger. That's college graduates. <laughs> That's quite remarkable, isn't it? I think it's, maybe they weren't thinking about the question properly because, you know, it is like 0 0.5 times 0 0.5 would of course be like 0 0.25, whereas a fraction, you just see it as pure numbers, so it messes with your head a bit. He did the same research and as a follow-up with decimals between 0 and 1 and got the same results. Oh, really? 50% of college graduates had trouble with decimals mm. when you multiply between 0 and 1. That's interesting. By the way, interesting, if you divide two fractions between 0 and 1, uh, 3 fourths divided by 1 half, the answer gets bigger. Yeah. And that was the there were four questions. One time you added two fractions one time you subtracted two question fractions between zero and one then you yeah. multiply them and then you divide them and call 50 percent of the college almost i think it was 47 percent of college graduates missed the multiplication and division problem three yeah. four times one half and three fourths divided by one half that's true isn't it sometimes there's these posts on social media mainly trying to catch people out that don't know about bod mass but there was one earlier today i saw which was like 40 divided by a half and a lot of people People forget that divided by a half basically just means to double it. Right. I know. <laughs> I don't, you know, there's no course that we have in elementary school, high school that teaches what I will refer to as number sets. Yeah. And that is a, a, a topic that is so important that I think most teachers, every time they get the opportunity, need to explain number sense to kids. Mm. And I don't think teachers even think about it. And this is the kind of problem I'd be talking about, which we just discussed. Yeah. Three-fourths times one is number. Now, if you have three and three-fourths times six and one-half, they're both greater than one. The answer does get bigger. But when the fractions are between zero and one, when you multiply, they get smaller. But and by the way, I'll give you another thing. The second biggest indicator of success, according to Dr. Sigler's research, and by the way, Dr. Sigler was at Carnegie Mellon for 40 years. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So he's not a youngster anymore. And then he retired from Carnegie Mellon University, takes the same type of job at the Teachers College at Columbia University. He's still Mm -hmm. there doing research on math education. And I talked to him maybe once a month or email him uh, about a few weeks ago. We emailed about 10 times back and forth about the frustration with this kind of thing. Uh, But the the same, he did a lot of research initially on number lines, getting kids to in kindergarten to place the points on the line between zero and 10. And it sounds, but in kindergarten, kids over one overestimate how big four is. But right. and then in third grade, he did it with fractions, trying to get them to place fractions on a number line, just to get them to have some understanding, some sense of how big three fourths is compared to seven eighths, compared to one third. Mm. And number lines is a great way to get number sets for fractions. That's actually quite a good idea because it is difficult to imagine three fourths. And seven eighths on a line together, you have to think, right, three fourths will be three quarters of the way up and all that. So, in my book, I address those topics such as number lines early in yeah. childhood, starting in kindergarten with whole numbers, starting in late second, third grade with fractions. And uh, then I, I got into the number lines with even weird fractions. Put them on the number line when you have something like uh, seven eighths times three fourths, pl- plot both points on a number line and then plot answer which is uh, a product on the number line and you say whoa that answer is smaller than either one of the fractions i start with yeah you know three fourths plus one half the answer gets bigger so i tried to use have the kids do number lines where they plotted all three points whether they were adding two fractions and getting a, an add end or they were multiplying two fractions and getting a product just so they can get some understanding on magnitude and number sense so how does this textbook help students? Does it help them be able to do certain equations and questions and areas that they were struggling in? The textbook is actually written for students still in college that are going or preparing to be elementary arithmetic teachers and secondary math teachers. It's helping them understand how to do these problems. And then I give them suggestions how they can teach so the kids students learn. For one, I illustrate and emphasize how to use rules to solve challenging problems after you have emphasized concepts. you got to do concepts, but if that's all you do, there's a lot more to arithmetic and math than just concepts. Emphasize minor concepts. Teachers, students, assume students understand, but in reality, they don't. Show mm-hmm. students how to use present topics to solve future math problems, but here's the two key ones. Introduce uh, topics two to three months at a time for two or three minutes, three times a week. And you'll find when the kids get to actually solving arithmetic problems, fractions, see, they've been doing it for two months and give them fractions like one eighth plus five eighths. And they can come up with the answer three fifths plus one fifth. But you start introducing them two weeks, at, uh, two months at a time for two or three minutes. So you have to take two or three minutes out of a couple of classes. But you'll find in the end, the kids have spent two months redoing these problems and by the time they get to it these problems you the first the time the textbook 
problems the first time. The textbook problems they find simple and they can do without much help. So what was it that got you into maths originally? Because at school it was everyone's least favourite subject. I actually smile when you ask that. When I was a senior in high school, I went to a high school and I was graduating classes about a thousand students. My last yeah. name being Young, I was alphabetic order 969. So that I don't know exactly if there was a thousand. But I went into the guidance counselor who had all thousand students. And he said, Tim, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm accepted at both Penn State and Indiana University of Pennsylvania. And what do you want to do? I want to be a math teacher. I knew how to be a math teacher because I was good in math in high school. And he looked at me and said, yeah, you are good in math. Why don't you go to Indiana University of Pennsylvania? They, they have a better reputation for education than Penn State did at that time. I'm not going to say what they are now because I love both schools. Uh, but that's how I, I ended up getting into math because of my guidance counselor in a 10 minute conversation, because he didn't have time to sit down and go into details, said, you are good at math. Why don't you go into math education? So that's yeah. what I did. But I did. I've always had fun in math. And I always had a dream that every year I was better than I was the previous year. I would sit hmm. down in the summer and evaluate what I could do better next year that I didn't do as well at last year. So I always wanted to get better. I never reached my goal of becoming the best, but I always yeah. tried to get better. And I think I succeeded at that. How do you become better? You know, that was, I'll give you, every summer I would like a topic, I would look at the topics I'm going to, subjects I'm going to teach next year. And I would write down the five most important things I want the students to know at the end of the year. And I'll pick algebra because that's my favorite subject. And I, one of the key things in algebra is quadratic formulas. You don't teach quadratic formula in two days. You don't teach it in a week. That's a topic I would, if we got to it in February 1st, I started introducing how to work with the quadratic formula and develop it, how it was useful on November 1st for two minutes, three minutes a day, two or three times a week. So by the time the kids got to February 1st and they had quadratic formula questions, they knew the formula. They knew how to work yeah. with it. And you can't, if we have a habit in math of giving them a difficult topic and, and try to teach it in three or four days. And we wonder why people, students struggle. You yeah. can do that with difficult topics, especially in advanced math, such as quadratic formula. And then logarithm is another one that I love to teach, but I didn't teach yeah. that in one day. I taught it over two or three months. Yeah. So you've got to spread out. the. I have a theory that the longer time you spend talking about a topic, and I'm not talking one hour here, one hour. I'm talking over a period of three months. The longer you spread out the, the introduction, the easier the uh, the topic is to solve the problems once you get to the that topic in the textbook. And the more prepared the students will be because they've been thinking about it for two months without much pressure because it's it's an introductory topic where you're not giving them a test on it. That's true. I think a lot of people did struggle when I was at school with quadratic formula and logarithms, but they're both things that once you get your head around them, you'll find them pretty easy. Yeah, they once I might I I used to on purposely not write up midterms and final tests. And I would allow some other teachers to write it up. And I, I can just, I'll, I'll just give you one. There's about 2,000, oh, I don't know, four, two other teachers wrote up the geometry final. And my kids came back after taking the final and they said that was the easiest test they ever took. Because I had reviewed, not only do I introduce, but I had reviewed that two or three times a week after I taught a topic. And the kids came back and I had out of 44 students, I think I had 36 A's, uh, five B's and one C. 
Well, joked how easy the test was. I didn't write the test. I didn't tell the other teachers how to write the test. I said, write it based on the course uh, curriculum and the uh, the topics we're supposed to teach. But my kids, because they had introduced the topics over a period of two months and then reviewed for a month or two, I didn't have to spend time at the end of the semester, end of the year, trying to review all the topics. They knew how to do them. Yeah. It, you know, I, I mentioned this because it was fun being a math teacher when the kids knew how to do the problems and felt confident solving the problems. It made my life enjoyable. Yeah. Well, have you got any more books or textbooks that you're working on at the moment? Well, yes. This book, the first book, the one we're talking about, is designed for students in college as a three-credit course for teacher college professors to use to help students prepare to be elementary teachers, secondary math I've I, and it's full of a thousand different questions on that I expect them to explain how to, for instance, explain what a prime number is. How do you explain that to a student? But it's full of about a thousand questions, of course, 10 different assignments. The other book that I'm working on is really a book for experienced teachers, and it's not a textbook. It's more of a book you sit down and read for enrichment. They're very similar. The one's more of a textbook with thousand math questions for students in college answer. The other book is more of an enrichment book for present if you're presently a teacher elementary arithmetic teacher or secondary math teacher one of my editors looked at it and he's an english english teacher who just retired and he looked and i said to him after he was editing it i said steve it was named steve everard i said steve did i write the explanations and the problems so that anybody such as an english major or an elementary major could understand the procedures that i indicated and he said his comment was Tim, the only way they could not understand how to solve the problems based on the way you explained it is if they didn't care and read it. Uh, yeah. That was an English teacher reading it who was, he's been published many places, but mostly by a, a ghost name. So, but his name's Steve Everhart, and he's from Tyrone, believe it or not. When he was in ninth grade, Penn State tested him and said, He's one of the best we ever tested as writer in ninth grade. So I've known him for uh, 50, probably 50, 48 years. Well, where are we able to find this textbook? One, the most powerful number. It will be posted on Amazon probably sometime. Uh, The ISBN number has been assigned uh, and uh, we're doing a final drafts of this. uh, And I hope we have the final draft in place within the next 10 days, two weeks. There's always, I actually spent a week and a half going back and doing every, all thousand math problems about two weeks ago. And I found three errors. Uh, Two of them were typing errors and one of them I forgot to go four times four, 16. So, (laughs) because it's so easy to make a mistake when you're doing a math problem. But out of the thousand problems, I only found three errors and two of them were typing errors. So I'm hoping it's, Ready on Amazon by mid-December. The ISBN's been uh, given, and and now we're in the final drafts. Well, many thanks for talking to us today. It's been great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I, I enjoyed it. Take care, Toby. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. 
The throbbing pulse of sound, the Toby Gribbon Show.